Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Unfortunately, Brian Gottlieb can't be with us today, but since I'm here, you know that means that I brought a special guest, and this guest I don't think has ever been on the show, I'm pretty sure. I was going to say, who is it? Have you been here? I think once uh, with Brian, actually. This mm, was okay. It was like over a year ago, I think, though. Well, we got we got Todd Anderson, and so? I wanted I wanted to introduce you as the person I know who who is the best around a grill, which I think <laughs> really? is true. Yeah, I don't even think I'm that good at it. Well, I a you're probably selling yourself short, and B I, I know a lot of people, but I'm not like tight with a lot of people, you know. So maybe maybe I should use that as a clarifier. This is the tightest friend I got who can grill, who's good at grilling. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I've had your food. It's good. No, that's fair. That's fair. I do. I make a mean steak sometimes. Sometimes it's overcooked. That's my fault. We, you know, we we live and we learn. When was the last time I talked to you, man? Because you got you got on this call, and basically the first thing you started doing was telling me about what you made for dinner. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I I'll, I'll give you the timeline here. The timeline's kind of funny. So basically, my entire life, I never really cooked cooked, and I didn't really learn to cook. But I did kind of learn just how grill worked and the types of things you can grill and serve or whatever, right? A very but a very basic understanding. And at some point in the last like two years, I just like went full blown cooking dinner almost every single night is, you know, not every night, but like four to four times a week or so is about what I do. And I also just spend hundreds of hours watching YouTube videos about how to cook certain things. And that has happened in the, like the last two years. And everything that I've ever cooked you was like three plus years ago when I was but an infant in the cooking realm. An infant. True. That is definitely true. But even then, yeah. I think your stuff was good and you knew what was up. And now, obviously, you've leveled up to the point where you're posting on pictures on Twitter, man, of your food. Yeah, I I don't know. I, just, I started doing it just to kind of keep an account of what I, uh, people ask me about when I'm streaming and stuff because I, I talk about like what I made the last night or like I'll have leftovers for lunch the next day. And it's just, you know, while I'm streaming, it's become a fun little thing. I like it a lot. Yeah, man. It adds to the personality, the branding uh, thing that people know you for, you know, doesn't yeah, have the to cooking be thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you're going to watch all those videos anyway, I mean, they're they're fun. They're interesting. They're entertaining. Like science is rad, basically, in all forms. Right. And yeah, and cooking is honestly just the science of heat and how to break certain things down or exactly. lift certain things up. It's it's kind of wild. Yeah. So if you're going to be watching those shows anyway, get to put them to use, get to have some good food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Callie certainly loves it. That's my wife, Callie. Callie, say hi. Uh, she's not around. I was just kidding. <laughs> she's playing D&D. Yeah, she is. Actually, she's tonight's actually her last uh, game and they're fighting Tiamat. Oh, don't die. Yeah. I, that's what she says. She goes, Harp, I don't dare. Well, there you go. We have, we have the, the same goals. We do. Yeah. Go, Kelly. What else, man? Uh, Pioneer guy. Is that is that still a thing that you're going by? Because every hey. time I tune into your stream, you're playing Pioneer. Yeah. So I, it was kind of a, a joke or whatever. Uh, I started streaming like full time like three years ago when we, whenever we moved out to California. And Pioneer was this brand new set that came out, a brand new format that came out like, you know, a month or two after I moved there and started streaming full time. And I just said, screw it. Let's just go all in. You know, day, literal day one, they announced a new format on Monday and on stream. I'm with a buddy. We're just building decks and playing in the casual room, like in this free form made up format. 
And like the first deck I built was like just guy ascendancy combo. I was like, how the fuck is this legal? What? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of those cruise? cards, right? Treasure cruise is legal. And anyway, it was, it was stuff like that. Right. And, and so like, since I was the first person playing pioneer, I kind of leaned into it, made it like a whole deal, you know, fast forward a couple years and there's been some ups and downs, my career, COVID, blah, blah, blah. Back in like January, I, I took a, a, like a year break from streaming. But back in January, I started streaming. Uh, I, I don't want to say full time. I would say some time, you know, four days a week, you know, four, four hours at a time or whatever. And all I do is really play Pioneer. And it's honestly pretty fun. It, it's it's a very diverse format. There is a lot wrong with it, but there is a lot wrong with a lot of things in magic and life. And yes. But it's fun, and that's that's the most important part of the whole deal when you play a game, if you're having fun or not, and I've been having a blast. See, I I don't have fun playing Pioneer. Uh, I, I will say it has gotten a lot better within like the last 6 to 12 months. I think the recent standard releases have done a good job of actually putting cards into the format that matter and shake things up, and uh, there's you know the occasional thing that is ban-worthy or whatever, but... Uh, I didn't, I didn't actually get to play any pioneer during this RCQ season or anything. Uh, cause I, I qualified too early, you know? Oh, so, poor so baby. So it goes, but I, I wouldn't have been mad about it. You know, I was like following the format, looking at decks, building decks for Josh Joe to play and stuff. And <laughs> it, it seemed okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... I don't remember exactly when RCQ started, RCQ season started because it's been going on for like six months now or something or five months. I don't know. So I don't know how long exactly. And what I, so is I, time even? Right. But so basically it was pre-Dom United and post-Dom United as far as I can remember because the set before Dom United was what? The streets. Streets of New Capena. Streets of New Capena has been legal for a long time now or whatever. So anyway, all I'm saying is the format after they banned Winota became fresh again and fun. And yeah. there are so many different archetypes that like popped up and there's like levels to the metagame now where it's like Rakdos beats all the aggro decks, but loses to mono green and then mono green loses to all the aggro decks would beats black red. And, and so you just get this like, you know, kind of rotating format where literally 20 decks are viable. Every, every single week I write an article about a new deck with a new sideboard guide and my sideboard guide is comprehensive. And we talk about like 13 decks and how to sideboard against them. And these are all common matchups and I've been playing magic for a long time, Jerry. So, you know that when over five decks are viable in a given format, that is a good format. Even if the gameplay is not super good, even if some of the decks are a little pushy or oppressive sometimes or whatever, I just think that, it's it's such a, a cool, clear indicator of this is where I get to play the most different kinds of magic. That's true, although I, I would push back against the fact that, you know, diversity equals a good format because obviously people want to optimize for a lot of different things, too. But just because a format is basically balanced doesn't necessarily mean that it's good if all the gameplay sucks, but I think the gameplay aspect of it has gotten a lot better. It's, it's kind of like old modern where I don't know if you were as frustrated with that as I was the, the whole two ships passing in the night kind of thing. You know what I mean? I talk about that a lot, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Just like two combo decks fighting or an aggro versus combo, like thing, things where nothing bounces off each other and it's literally just a race to the finish line. Right. And 
that is what pre Winota Pioneer felt like to me. And yeah, after after Winota, after you know a set or two or whatever, things I think are in a pretty good spot, as you mentioned, and has like a decent amount of churn and everything. There is maybe a, a public enemy number one in mono green, but I think that that's fine. Every format is going to have that. I don't even think that mono green is bad guy. Number one. I think Rakdos is bad guy these days. Like, so here's my take. The reason why the format is good is because of the card Kalidas trader of get is good. And when you play magic and a four drop three, four with no immediate enters the battlefield effect, right. That just has some statics that are super cool. If that is a great card and a terrifying card to play against, that is like a completely reasonable format because I'm used to playing like old modern where people are, like you said, casting Desperate Ritual and Deceiving Song and stuff. And like, yeah, those got banned. But then, you know, the next season, it's like turn to Hogak, mill your whole deck or whatever. Right. And then like then it's Eldrazi Winter and it's just again and again and again. And you compare these to to the the pioneer decks, and the ones now are just so tame. Like yeah. the Llanowar Elves decks, like Llanowar Elves decks are a great part of Magic and a very good important part of its storied past. And the fact that there's just this mono green elf deck, and if you kill their elves, they're screwed. Like I play the deck a lot. If you if they just target my elves with some shocks. And like attack with a two-two, I'm in bad shape. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. I was watching yeah. you stream the other day. It was like a Tarka red into mono green or something. And yeah, yeah, saw saw some games where it was like also you like mulligan, maybe get Thoughtseize, draw like the second copy of Nykthos or whatever. They kill your yeah. elf. Just like God damn it. You got, <laughs> like, I got quad Karns and three mana because all my elves died and my Wolf Oil Haven got Thoughtseize or whatever. You know. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not that bad. I mean, I, I think that. Maybe maybe Mono Green is not the the best deck, you know, as far as like public enemy number one is concerned. But as far as the deck that people like to complain about the most, yeah. it's definitely Mono Green. No one's complaining about Rakdos, dude. No one's complaining about Kalidas or like Shieldred or whatever. <laughs> I, I have a strong contingent of folks that give the big middle finger to Graveyard Trespasser specifically. That card has just ruined so many careers already. And it it's just I love it. I hate playing against it. And whenever I hate playing against a three mana three three, you know it's good. It's just one of those cards that like once it hits play, you're just like, ah shit, I gotta deal with this for like the next five minutes. This sucks. You don't listen to our podcast, do you? Uh not a whole lot. Why? Do no. y'all love Graveyard Trespasser? Oh or no, hate we, Graveyard Trespasser. We we hate it. Aw. Uh, like th- this was more so in standard where people were like you know, three color, like mid range pile. What? Also, with your trespasser standard? or whatever. No, no, no play, I'm saying who plays standard. This, this was back when we were pretending that things were the same and that things were going to be okay. Mm. I, I played standard last summer. It was fun. Like the oh, the dragons deck, right? The dragon time walk deck. That was fun. Well, yeah, I mean, there was that. I think Trespasser was also in the same set as like Hallbreaker Horror, like that that kind of era. Oh, yeah. You know, lol, lol, that card. That's a whole episode's worth of ranting. Oh yeah, dude, we got a lot of mileage out of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gra- Graveyard Trespasser is just like you know three mana three three, not super great stats, doesn't really affect the board the turn it comes in. Like maybe you maybe you gain a life or whatever, but for the most part, can pretty easily just be like ignored. And a lot of decks don't really care about it. When you when you go to older formats, that's when people actually start utilizing their graveyards and caring about, you know, their Parkelian or whatever. So 
things like that, scavenging news get a little bit better than they typically were in standard. But oh, I agree. But th- this this one specifically just like also doesn't die to a shock or whatever. Like scavenging news, a lot of times would just die and maybe eat like a creature and gain a life or whatever. But like Graveyard Trespasser is just such a powerhouse against the like red style aggro decks that are just everywhere because the ability to just block sometimes with it or f- to force a two for one just strains the resources so much mm-hmm. or or just to like clear the way right to uh, or prevent like the constant life gain barrage that it brings. I don't know that 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 uh, ward ability is just so powerful. Yeah, it's like definitely underrated from our side. Absolutely. Because we, again, we were talking about in the context of standard where it's like, can we just ignore this thing? Yeah, I think we can just ignore it. Right. But in, mm-hmm. in Pioneer, you're, you're less able to do that. And Bone Crusher Giant is one of the premier removal spells of the format. Right. So yeah. it's, it's pretty good there and everything. So yeah, it's, it's fine. And it, it shares a lot of the same characteristics of Kalidus, where if this card is seeing play and, and people are loving it, you know, it's like I'm putting this in my deck happily because it actually like does stuff like, yeah, it's it's a pretty fair format. But then also there's the the Lotus Field side of things where, you know, things aren't always like that. You know, the those those sorts of cards in the mid range decks. This this came up with Tarmogoyf a lot when I was playing like Jund and stuff. You play against Combo mm. and it's just like, God, I have 12 cards I want to get out of my deck. Right. And I think a lot of those yeah. kind of fill the same well, that, role. That's one of the reasons why the. The removal suites and all the decks are so versatile, though, right? Because you can't afford to have dead cards in matchups like that. That's why, like, Bone Crusher Giant is such a, a stellar card because it's removal that doubles as a threat. And, you know, two damage actually kills a, a very high number of, of one and two drops in the format. So it just kind of hard carries a lot of these red strategies by, by being a constant two for one that's efficient on both halves. Yeah. I think that the the Rakdos deck is just like slightly too good at oppressing aggressive strats, but it's like a nice circular thing that they got going between mono green Rakdos and, and aggro, I think. So Yeah, I, I want the aggro decks to get more help. Absolutely. Because when when <laughs> when mono black when mono black was like the best deck in the format, I, I thought that, that was pretty reasonable. And once with Copter gone, it's just like you know things like humans or uh there's some like red decks or like the rabble master gruel decks or whatever it's like those decks got so much worse and we're getting some more one drops from standard sets and everything so decks like mono white humans are popping up and everything and i think that that's great i think the the format needs more of that a little bit more diversity maybe something to help fight against rakdos and like their plethora of good removal and really strong threats that are also like pretty good on defense and everything and i think that then the format will be in like an actual good place i mean i i'm kind of on board with you i i feel like maybe you could boost aggro a little bit but i play like a pretty wide array of decks on stream and the aggro decks tend to win the most like it's usually the when i try out five color niv or when i try out blue eye control or just the slower decks like Jeskai Sensei combo or Lotus Field combo, like these are the decks that are actually struggling to win the most, especially by like an an experienced pilot. Like I am by no means an expert at all of these decks. And, but those decks always seem to be the hardest to win with because the threats are extremely good. And a lot of the protective elements in those decks are good as well. And over time, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing a resurgence of some of these things that me and you have battled against in the past, like brave the elements 
Brave Elements is an insane card. Like yeah. it was always messed up. And now it's just this this white Winnie deck that's actively good just has this blast from the past tool to to protect them from, you know, red sweepers and spot removal. And it gives you an, a way to punch through damage against like mono green devotion and things like that, where normally you, these types of decks don't have that diversity for one mana. Like it's a crazy card. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem was you were lacking in one drops and even stuff like Dauntless Bodyguard is not a card that you would ideally be playing. But I think that Hopeful Initiate you know, from a somewhat recent set. I don't remember what set this was. I mean, about. they're both great. Like, yeah, like, Dolan's Bodyguard just like protects Dolly sometimes and it wins you the game. Like, it's it's all good enough. Like, yeah, but I'm saying like as as an actual one drop, it's not ideal. You know, like to, to sure. double spell on turn three or something, it's great. But so, hopeful but Savannah is Lions, actually good. Savannah Lions, that's a human, would be good enough. If you had 12 of those or whatever, instead of Dolan's Bodyguard and stuff, you would still play them all. You would play it. You just you wouldn't be happy with it. That's all I'm saying. No, but you but those are enablers for brave the elements and the human triggers or whatever off of Dollar's Lieutenant. Like it's it's literally like the creature type is by far the thing that matters the most. But the fact that it's a one mana two one leverages it above a one mana one one of any variety. It depends. What's what's the text on the one mana one one? I mean, there's literally <laughs> what what's what's the nutty tapper? There's like a one mana one two that taps big things for one mana or something. Like that one seems like it should be good, or giant killer should be good, but they're just worse than Savannah Lions because combo decks exist. <laughs> like, you know, you can't you can't play a one power creature on turn one in magic yeah. anymore. Like it's yeah, that's it, just it, not a thing. It has to have two power or the ability to scale, which yeah. which initiate does. Or like or in interact. Yeah, I, three minute inter- inspector I count as like interaction, right? Cause it, no, I, sure. I'm t- like fanatical firebrand, for example, is occasionally good in this format, even though it doesn't meet those requirements. Like ha- right. haste or virtual haste are, are like big indicators as well. Yeah. So you didn't play in like any RCQs? Bro, do you know how easy it is to never leave the house? I know you do. You I don't do. have to answer that question. I will admit, if I didn't have a Josh show in my life, I'm not sure I would have gone to any. Your Josh Cho is my Ross Miriam, and Ross is not pushy. If I don't want to go to something, he just leaves. Like he just does, you know. He he goes and does his thing. Yeah, I don't know, I don't man. Know. Like, I could have went and played like five RCQs, but instead, I sat at home with Callie and made food and watched TV. And I still stream, and people still pay attention because the words I play all the time. So, like, my words have weight, and like, I I understand the format honestly, Jerry. I understand it so much more than I wish I did. Like, it's, I, I it's, believe it. <laughs> it's it's like you study a thing and you learn it so well that you just like, you know, the things that people say to you. Like, even talking to you now, some of the things that you're saying in my brain and my the back of my mind, I'm just like, nope, he's wrong. And I'm, and I, but it's rude, right? I don't want to say that. But like, I mean, that's how I, much I know about the format. It's it's gross. Bro, you want to talk about our history a little bit? I mean, I think you're allowed to be a little rude to me. I think that's okay. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> also, We're also, past that. also, I can take it, you know? I mean, if you want to go the roundabout way and like be nice and tell me I'm wrong, I think that's completely fine. That might be uh, sure, sure. more on point for the podcast, I suppose. But if you just want to be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to cut you off. All right, I'm going <laughs> to cut will. you off. Uh, Goblin Rabble Master and those types of cards haven't been playable in over a year. I know. I wasn't okay. saying that. I was say, I was talking about when the format was mono black, Todd. See, you, and now he's listening? defensive, Chad. Are you listening to this? You, he's, he's getting big mad. Chat? There's no chat, dude. 
<laughs> you're you're not streaming right now. Is your camera on? Are you recording yourself? Are you gonna no, post I'm this? Just, no, I'm just trolling. I I am getting defensive because you weren't even listening to the words that I'm saying, but trying to come up with ways that I was wrong. I look, which is frustrating. Okay, see, and that's why I didn't want to bring it up. Because what you were talking about before was not actually true. Okay. You're like, the things that, the things that you're saying are wrong, and I was talking about a thing off, Jimmy. two years Play ago. Off. Play them off, man. It's fine. Let's move on. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it either. I don't even remember <laughs> what we were talking about. Dude, I was talking about three years ago, and you were like, that card's not playable now. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's not what I was saying. Anyway, <laughs> good times. <laughs> Any anything else that I was talking about in like 2022 that was wrong, you can correct me on. Okay, that's fair. Deal. Yeah, I, I'll get. I got you. Hell yeah! I, All right. I, I'm just trying to learn the dynamics here, so I'm not a punching bag, right? Brian no, is the pushback. Is he the? Is he the? He pushes back hard or what? Our dynamic shifts. It kind of depends on who is like more more invested, more involved. Like right now, obviously, you're you're very involved. And three years ago in Pioneer, which is what I was talking about before, in case you didn't pick that up, I was involved. But I remember but, you streamed a little bit, right? Back in the day? Uh, I mean, like way back. And then I tried to stream some this year too. Just, it's it's not the thing for me, I don't think. Yeah. I, I do need to do stuff to make money, but it is like physically hard for me to sit for like six hours and be on. You know what I mean? Dude, that honestly, that's why my stream's only like four hours long, man. I can only yeah. do so much. Like magic is hella frustrating sometimes, and I think you're not wrong when you say that the gameplay or whatever is a little wonky in Pioneer. Like it's very frustrating sometimes because the the decks are extremely powerful and the matchups are very lopsided sometimes. I like there was one two day stretch where I was like oh and like oh and nine at one point, and then two and eleven after like another league, and I just quit. I was just like, I don't want to, I'm not going to play this today. And then, you know, I took a day off and then the next day I came back and I played modern and modern felt kind of good. And I was like, maybe I should just switch to modern. Maybe yeah. that's better. But uh, I don't know, man. The, the the fact that it was the RCQ season, like not a ton of people are making pioneer content. It, it just felt like a great way to to really sink, my, sink myself into something and, and maybe get something good out of it. No, and I think it's good, man, because there there are a ton of modern streamers, right? And mm. those were the people that I would generally watch, and that was where I got a lot of my baseline information about the Same. format from. I learned so much from Aspiring Spike last year when Modern Horizons 2 came out. Yeah. I, I mean, I was writing articles for Star City all the time, and I you know, I played Magic like an okay amount, but nothing like I... I had previously, you know, like I, I was not super invested in magic for a while, but I was still keeping my ear to the ground. And but Spike's stream was just so nuts for that. Like he just played a different deck like every day. And I was in there every day for like four hours or something just chilling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a machine, right? Like, yeah, he's crazy. Just every day has like a new deck or two that he wants to try out. And yeah. certainly, certainly with a, a big set release like MH2, I kind of get that. But he was doing stuff that, you know, I, I would have never come up with in a million years, right? And it was good. And it, like that sort of stuff is just like very, very impressive. No, I agree. It, it, it wasn't just like raw hours. It was raw hours plus an insane amount of creativity and high level play and chat interaction. Like, oh, yeah, perfect. You know, not I don't know how much I'll praise, you know, aspiring spike but goddamn man he's he's been like hard carrying magic twitch for two three years now or something just oh yeah silly 
Yeah. And I, I love that he, he has the numbers too at this point, which is yep. great. I think that MHU was, was good for him. You know, he, he was, yeah, he was like high three digits, I think on average before MHU. And then now is well over that. And yeah, I think he's like so. 14 to 2k every day. Just yeah. crushing. Yep, exactly. And, uh, certainly around the MH2 time, I was in there with you. Uh, I would watch Twitch on my TV while I was like doing something else, like playing on my phone, playing on my computer or whatever, and would have the chat up and would occasionally see you and like, you know, Devin, Doomwake, and just random, random people would pop up. And it's like, oh yeah, they're doing the same thing as I am. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. Only person really streaming magic on Twitch, but... <laughs> We've talked about Spike a couple times in the past, like not a ton, because like whenever we do a deck dump or something, there's there's five of them that it's like, oh, this is a Spike deck. <laughs> right? Like that that's just going to happen. So yeah, he does come up. Nothing but good things to say about him. But uh, uh, he was recently on Professor Show too. Oh, nice. Feature episode coming out. It's going to be fun to watch. Brad's on it too, I think. Brad Nelson. Is there another Brad? I, I mean, maybe. Do, do your listeners just know that Brad means Brad Nelson? Probably, I guess. I don't know. And also Amy Amazonian. It's going to be a nice little one. Hell yeah. So with the RCQ stuff, I I get, you know, you're already playing Magic a bunch and time with the wife is good. But like you said, you know more about the format than, I don't know, maybe anyone. So was there not just like a Roanoke RCQ that was Pioneer or whatever that you could have just... There was one, I think, that was Pioneer and two that were Modern. And I specifically didn't play the Modern ones because I had played Zero Modern and didn't really want to go play. But the the Pioneer one was like in the one week I was out of town or whatever. Like I had a wedding okay. to go to. But Fair. I don't know. A couple, a couple of people around town drove like three hours to an RCQ. But there was a couple of uh, stints of time where like people were getting COVID every weekend. Like, you know, people went to this con and everybody I knew in Roanoke had like COVID in the last two weeks. So I just kind of closed off, man. I don't know. I'm not trying to get sick. Dude, I don't like, blame you. Magic tournaments are kind of filled w- with people that are, you know, people. Y- yep. Yep. Got it. <laughs> uh the most of the tournaments i went to like they didn't go to cap or anything and josh and i were like pretty careful to pick stores that had a lot of space so you know maybe if we're talking about roanoke specifically like you not wanting to go far maybe you don't have a ton of great options or whatever i don't know no i mean there's two stores in roanoke that have tournaments and one of them's like star city home store and other ones place called blade that's pretty cool and i don't know like the one at Blade, I think Ross won, and then Corey won the one at one of the ones at Star City, and then I don't even know I don't know who won the third one, but like me not going, like they won. So best case scenario, basically, I got to stay home. And my friends won. Yeah, I guess what I'm wondering is, and man, I can't even count the amount of times we've had conversations like this. But it's like, do you care to interact with? this current iteration of organized play or even oh if it god were, no even if it were like the old days if it was cool like would it matter at all would you still skip like a you know 10 i'm minute, an old bitch like, man okay I, do you you know greg hatch right i do you know he was like one of the best players you've ever watched play right like you just yeah. saw like genius in his eyes the whole time and mm-hmm. like he chose to just play the dumbest shit just like yep. mono blue ninjas or whatever all the time martyr frost never forget yeah i have hatched I have become the guy who cares more about the f- solving the puzzle than proving I solved the puzzle. Like, 
I just want to finish this puzzle and then go start another one. Yeah. You know? So, like, that's kind of how I'm treating Magic these days. It's just a board game that I like to play on stream. And if I, you know, if I get the hankering to go to a tournament, I will. Like, I'm probably going to go to, like, an SCG coming up. And I think Ross and I are going to team with somebody for a thing. And, like, I'm going to go to stuff. But, like, if I don't want to go to one, I'm not going to go. And I I think that that's just a very healthy thing. Like, I feel, like, way better about it (laughs) these days than I did when I was going every single weekend, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely feel that there's like the it's not like pressure or whatever. It's like obligation, I guess. Obligation is a good word when. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I can't pass up the chance to get like these pro points or these SCG points because I need to qualify for like X, Y and Z. But you're just like absolutely miserable. We called it the hamster wheel. Remember, it's just every every time you would get some points at a tournament. It's like, okay, well, I got to do that again next week. And then by the end of the season, it's like, okay, well, this season's done. We got to start going for next season. And it's just the same shit over and over again. Yeah. And then it's just incentive to 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 play their game. And like I play their game already. So why do I have to go spend two hundred dollars on a hotel room and fifty dollars out eating dinner every night and like beat up on some kids, get some store credit? You know how fun it is to like beat up your friends at FNM? Like I, I don't like doing that. I, I go for like savage competition. And if you think that there's any sort of real competition at, at any of these events, I, I think you're sorely mistaken. There's like 10 people that are nuts or like, you know, five or 10 teams that are nuts, just like old school grinders or whatever. Like your Joe Bernals and Ross and Corey and Brad sometimes, but not really. It's like, I don't know, man. Everyone else is just kind of fresh and like they're not really drawing any more of the new blood of like the killers because there's no long stretch to play for. It's just exhibition events and exhibition events have always in any sport been way more casual than they were hyper competitive. And you, you still see like the best golfers or whatever come out on top of an exhibition, but like they're all getting old. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I think that your local scene specifically is a little bit different where you're talking about like Ross winning uh, an RCQ and Corey winning. And granted, those are, you know, you're maybe some of your best friends in the area or whatever, like people you see all the time, people that I don't know, there's not really a a need or desire to like beat up on them or whatever, but like they are competition. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like we're not playing for stakes. Like I, I, I don't think this this tournament structure is is valuable at all. I think. RCQs qualifying for the regional championships and the regional championships having like old Grand Prix payouts or whatever. Just I could give a, a fuck less, man. I, I really don't care about this stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's an artificial amount of caring that they've created to, you know, where like people just are zombies trying to qualify for something again. And like, I just don't want to do that, man. I don't blame you. I don't even know if I'm going to go to Atlanta. <laughs> or, or if I if I go, I might go to hang out because uh, a buddy of mine lives down there. And that's it. Sure. But yeah, also, you know, giant convention or whatever. I, w- I wanted to play the RCQs just to do like a little bit of battling. And it was definitely uncomfortable, but also like felt good, even if it was. Uh, yeah, I you know, played two SCGs in the last year and they were fun. Like, like those Small kind doses, of types though. of. Right. And and like those that was enough for me. Like I went to Indy and we had a big, nice team dinner or whatever. And it was, it was great. Like, you know, we, I felt like I was back in it in the olden days, but it's not, you know, 
and and everyone knows it. And I think that like recent tournament attendance has started to kind of push back that way. Like we really need something to give a shit about. Yeah, I thought people were hyped for this. And it turns out that that's kind of not the case, uh, at least for Magic at large. You know, the people who are terminally online, I think, were hyped for it. But they're already like so invested in Magic that, yeah, it it could be some of what you're talking about where you just sort of do it out of obligation because, well, PTQs are back. I guess I'm going to play because I'm a Magic grinder or whatever. Here's the thing, though, man. Maybe it was always bad. Maybe we had rose-colored glasses just because we were younger. I don't really know, man. I I see a lot of people, like, my Patreon, not to brag or whatever, is doing, like, pretty good recently. And it's 100% because the RCQ season was Pioneer, and I'm doing Pioneer content. And, like, I know what my numbers look like, and people care. Like, people use these for playing FNM, like, Cyborg Guys and all this shit. And they, they really appreciate it i know they do they tell me all the time and like people message me about their tournaments that they're like doing well in and stuff and and like that gives me so much gratification like i i don't feel like i need to go win a tournament to for five grand or whatever and the problem is like i just have to risk like six hundred dollars to try to win a grand prize of like three thousand dollars and i just that's just too much risk versus so little reward when there's no promise of like future rewards for attendance, you know, like it's like, uh, uh, one of those like credit card cash back programs. And then you just forget to use your credit. Like you just don't want to buy anything. So you don't get anything. You just end up owing money on your credit card or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was wondering about as far as like the old system where, yeah, this one, you can't really chain invites together. So sort of what's the point? Like the, the whole joke of it is that the RCQs might not feel great to play in and it might be a slog playing every week and for not a whole lot of rewards, which also sucks because the stores have to like pay to run these tournaments, which is terrible, but whatever. And the whole goal is to like get to the big show, right? And like, that's your competition. Uh, and I think when you could chain them together, that was a little bit more reasonable if that was your goal. But if you have to do that every season, that's a lot, you know. I, I I don't think I would want to do that. I think that you're honestly way above and beyond the average player in terms of uh, like expectancy in this type of thing. Uh, even me, man. Like I, I played like some pro tours back to back, but I never played a full season of pro tours. I I always had a gapper in one of my seasons, and it always kept me from ultimately hitting like the re- threshold to keep going and then i'd have to win another ptq or top four another grand prix you remember when they made you top four grand prix to qualify for the pro tour for like six months absolute joke i top baited a grand prix and didn't get to go to a pro tour and i was so pissed off i just thought like the whole system just feels so uh, like cheating against me or whatever you know and I, like, I don't understand how to express to people how frustrating it is to to try to be on the hamster wheel and to fall off, like just to get thrown into the, the wheel or whatever, man. It is brutal. I don't recommend it. But but there are a lot of people who just want something to do on Saturdays and playing an RCQ this an hour away with three of your friends doesn't sound like too bad of a time. And I, and I think that, that's, that it's just good to have something. 
And like eventually maybe it, it ends up being good. Maybe it gets way better next year. Who knows? But as far as I can see, it seems like they continually try to just do the bottom barrel amount that they have to do to kind of keep people coming back. And so far it seems to be working. So I don't know. Yeah, I was I was speaking like obviously there are people that care, right? You know, there are people that support your Patreon and, and our Patreon and everything. And the the people that I was talking about who are very online, very vocal about how excited they were about uh, like PTQs coming back on Twitter and stuff. My my point was that it just didn't reach like the mass audience, like things like Grand Prix would, or even like SCG opens when those were happening. You know, the, yeah, I agree. The, there was the, very little reach because there was just not a whole lot of like advertisement for it or whatever. Yeah, and so we would go to these <laughs> tournaments, and I was expecting a lot of the stores, especially like the the well known stores, to hit their cap of fifty people or whatever, and we just you know, make sure to register early and everything. And then we get there and there's like 30. It's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, SEG used to run those IQs and super IQs and stuff. And the the difference in branding between someone like Star City and, and what Watsi's been doing is just evident, right? Like, oh yeah. I, I don't I don't know what website to go to to look for the RCQs. Maybe that's laziness or whatever. And I'm sure I could Google and figure it out. But like, if I wanted to know where the next SCG was or whatever, I could find that easily. It's like, it's just branding, you know? Yeah, but you've also been navigating SCG's website for a while, right? But you are correct that you go to Neither the front page and it's probably there, right? Yeah. Whereas the the wizard stuff, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you the answer of, of where you go to find okay. the, the RCQ schedule. Is it arenadecklist.com? Oh, no, we're not that organized. Dude, I can't even turn on my computer to stream. You think I could update my website? Absolutely not. <laughs> you and Ross Miriam both, bro. You yeah. And Ross Miriam Executive both. dysfunction. Tell him to look into it. Anyway, mm. it's worse than you might imagine. Okay. So you ready for this? Okay. I don't exactly know how to find it from their website. I have it because someone linked me to it initially. But what you have to do is find their event locator. Wizards of the Coast, historically not a company that has been great with technology, let alone event locator type of stuff, right? Okay. So yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's like you go in there and you have to click around uh, in the options to actually configure it to the correct settings. And then there's also like another thing that you have to hit because so many people have gotten stuck at that step. I've seen that question. It's like, I went to the event locator and nothing's showing up. And it's like, oh, you have to click this button or whatever. And it's like, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, so you do that and then it just, it shows you all of them, uh, but within a 500 mile radius and you can adjust that. Very cool. Yeah. And it's not like stylized in any way. So the stores just kind of post like whatever they want. And so some of the entries are like three paragraphs long or whatever. Some of them have no information. And that means that you can't do things like filter by format or filter by date or whatever. You just kind of have to like <laughs> scroll down and look at them individually. <laughs> So, yeah, it's not great. Uh, Anderson LeClaire made a spreadsheet, which is basically what I was backpacking off of because I had a person who was organized who lived kind of near me, and that was it. And he stayed in my house last weekend when he came to visit. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to go visit him at some point. I'm going to see him this weekend, though. Oh, cool. Go, oh, oh, I forgot to talk about this. Uh, the Legacy Pit Open, Todd, this weekend, October 1st and 2nd, Legacy Main Event. Uh, Hell yeah! Modern 5K, what's up? I'm going to be there. They're not paying me. I just... Uh, Donated my time because I liked what they were doing. So I'm going to be hanging out on Saturday and doing some uh, deck help with some folks. 
And if you want to sign up for that, you can through the Legacy Pit's website. So at the Legacy Pit on Twitter, find all that information, whatever. Go ahead. Uh, so I uh, I won't be attending, but not because of any reasonable reason. It's just that I don't own a Legacy deck and haven't played Modern. And I I applied to be a commentator, and I, I you know I thought I would do a pretty good job. I, I thought I did really well at the uh, Apex Gaming 2K that we did a couple months back with me and Ross. But uh, but yeah, they went with Corey B and uh, Unreag. Uh, I don't I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Anzit MTG. Uh, he's been put on great coverage on the weekends for the SCGs and stuff, and uh, and they they picked him up and him and Corey, so it should be a good duo. But yeah, it's I not a bad team. Doing. Yeah, I know. No, it's, it, it's it's not bad. It's like I don't know if if you lost out to like two randoms or something, I could see being a little upset about it. But I get it. I would just assume that I asked for too much money or whatever, and they just went. But uh, but I don't know if that's the case in this instance. But if they went with somebody that wasn't me that I didn't know who th- their name, I would have been mad. Yeah. Instead, maybe you got like third place, and it was close, and yeah, I don't know. Just like leave some poop on Corey's doorstep over the weekend. Flaming, flaming bag. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's implied. Yeah, man. Uh, I guess I guess if you don't want to come visit, that's fine. That's OK. I'll have to come visit you at some point. But are you I didn't know you lived in Richmond. I just knew it was somewhere in Virginia. Dude, I came to visit you not that long ago. You say not that long ago. That was like a year ago. Yeah, it might have been like a year and a half. And no. you were here for two days or something. And then you went home and then we, you know, we we just don't like texting or whatever. We're old. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch your stream a decent amount, but it's on my TV, so chatting is pretty annoying, so I just don't. You know how you get on your phone, though, right? And you go to those websites like twitters.com? Yeah, but I'm doing can, something else can... with my phone. That's the problem. Right, but if you want to say something rega- in regards to the conversation, you can always hop on your phone on the Twitch app real quick and do it. I could, but I'm watching on an alt on the TV, and I have my actual account on my phone. I think that's fine. Then I get double clicks. Yeah, I guess that could make sense, I guess. But the point is, like, I'm playing a game on my phone, right? It's like, I can't. (laughs) There he is. No, that's what I was saying. I'm using my phone while I have the thing on in the background. So I'm not going to, like, pause my game to be like, oh, you should have played this land or, you know, or type LOL three minutes after the joke happened. Well, I wish you would, Jerry. I wish you would. Someday, maybe. Anyway, yeah. uh, you want to you want to talk about actual pioneer? I had this little yeah, thing let's go. That, that I wanted to do where uh, chat. Just are, so you know, we're just catching up. Okay, this is yeah. just me and Jerry catching up. Dude, this, this is what is... Brian and I do every week. Okay, I, I feel like I was maybe going off on too many tangents, but this is great. I've been having a good time. No, uh, that's dude. That's kind of the point. It's just like I haven't talked to Todd in a while, so let's let's hang out with Todd and give him some money. <laughs> anyway, love uh, money mtggoldfish.com go to the pioneer decks right and i realize that this is not anything resembling like a a tier list or representative of the best decks this is just like the decks as they most show up in whatever gets posted on the internet right but i I think it's it's reasonable enough so i'm just gonna do i'm gonna do the top 10 and you're gonna tell me overrated or underrated oh this is super easy all right all right, so number one is Mono Green, although Goldfish labels it as Bant because some clowns are playing a Teferi. Who slows the sunset? All right, sir. Well, sir, I'm going to need you to relax, sir. Uh, I saw so... you playing that Teferi. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was exactly at you. 
Yeah. So uh, the deck's actually gone through some cool iterations over the last like three months. Uh, there was a minute where people were playing Nicobolus Dragon God yep. in that slot because it like wasn't that hard to find or cast as the game progressed. And the fact that it could double as removal for an, like a Ledger Shredder or something that was killing you, or it could be like an extra Cure activation or an extra Karn activation, um, made it actually just a pretty cool card for the deck. And surprisingly, like I played two in a lot of builds and it was quite strong. And, and then uh, on goldfish, you know, we had mono green devotion and then we had uh four color Nykthos or whatever, like they were labeling it as. And then uh, like two weeks later, some jokester just was like, Hey, how about this to ferry the slows of sunset card? Because it untaps an artifact and a land and you can untap the chain veil. And I was just like, what does Untap in the Chainville do? Who cares? Like, oh man, you get to activate your Planeswalkers again. And then someone was just like, oh, but then you get to activate to untap it again, so it's right. infinite. Yep. And I was just like, oh, light bulb, that's sick. And then the first time I played the deck, I 5-0'd my league, and it kind of exploded out of control in popularity for like a week. And and then there was three versions on Goldfish that were mono green, and then four color, and then Bant. And then there was just five different versions <laughs> and so they finally collapse them into one just say nick those ramp and the the three colored ver- thing that it shows there is just the version of the day like the the today's oh, okay. it is that color combination it's it is that color identity which is batutina with one teferi who slows the sunset yeah, it, Bazutina the other day was playing a Nicol Bolas and a Teferi, though, I think. And so mm. it was just ruining the thing. Uh, yeah, five-color Nykthos. Good strategy. Yeah. Overrated or underrated, Todd? I actually think, hmm, maybe this is a cop-out, but properly rated. Like, it's a, it's ex- extremely powerful and one of the two best decks in the format. And people hate playing against it. But I would expect to play against this deck twice a league for how good and popular it supposedly is. And I rarely play against it on in the leagues. People so are weird I, though. I agree. People are weird, but it's not a strategy for everyone. I mean, it's a very linear deck with polarizing gameplay and like very extreme matchups of either good or bad. And like the only decision-making is Mulligan's what to find off of Oath of Nyssa, like what to get with Karn. Like it's just not a whole lot of very, it's static gameplay. And so I can understand Todd, why people would not want to play it. Todd, do you remember the game where you decked yourself? It was like two days ago. Maybe it was yesterday even. I decked myself with yeah. Mono Green? Yeah. So you were going through... Yes. Like, I haven't played Mono Green in like three weeks. Where Was it a YouTube video or a clip or something? No, no, no. It was, it was on Twitch. You started by streaming a Tarka Red, and then you switched to Mono Green. Okay, I'll trust you, I guess. I don't think that's true. I think maybe you got raided to another channel or something. Okay, so you were playing a Tarka Red. I 5 out and then I quit. Or I went and played Escape from Tarkov. No, no you, you, you went 3-2 with, with a Tarka. I'm trying to no, remember. I went 3-2 with Mono Black Devotion, then I played a Tarka Red, and I went 5-0. I, I think we are, we are thinking about different days. That's fine. This week is, what's today, Wednesday? I've streamed twice and i haven't played mono green devotion this week i i'm 100 on that maybe it was before i left maybe was it like possible last week you time, time is irrelevant time i know is man myth. 
Anyway, I, last week I might have played one league with the with the Teferis and went three two and said that I don't think Teferi is good anymore because there's too much aggro. No, you that, went, that may have happened last week. You went three two with the Tarka. I don't remember how you how you did with Mono Green. The point there's there's a game that you you were like going through with like Karns and Kioras, but like didn't have enough to. Oh, I misclicked twice and died. Yeah, you like you didn't have enough to like go actual infinite or whatever. But it was like, yeah, just this this weird situation where there there actually were like a lot of decisions and like those are definitely situations I don't want to get into because it's like beautiful minds type of like weird <laughs> math stuff right decision like, paralysis it's yeah. way easier than it looks it's literally just dexterity on magic online like i i literally died with infinite mana infinite life like my opponent was playing the mirror and just killed me because i misclicked like i i don't know man like the the deck is not like a brain genius level type of stuff. No, like, it's, it's it's not. I'm just saying like the, those situations which are few and far between, I would terrify me. And I think that sure. that is probably what terrifies a lot of people too. Because certain uh, cards create invisible effects and triggers that are extremely annoying and hard to keep track of, like the chain veil or whatever. Right. And I don't know. It was just this this weird situation where you're like a mana short or you know some amount of mana short of like actually comboing and going through these loops with like Karns and Pestilent Cauldron and, and whatnot. And it's just like, is this even doing anything? But it's like, who knows? Like we're, we're just doing stuff. Kind of, because <laughs> I've definitely done it like five times and then realized after the fifth time that I was losing a mana each time. And yeah. then just, and then just like got the six man artifact that makes everything cost two more. I just got that and was like, okay, I'll just do this instead. You're yeah. here go. And nope. then one extremely easily, even though I gained them 30 life or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. So, anyway, appropriately I, I rated mono green version with Sky Sovereign is the future. That's I'm calling it now. Yeah, I like that. More more Sky Sovereign main deck. No planeswalkers. Word. All right, number two, Abzan Greasefang. I think extremely underrated. It's Me one too. of those decks that it's it's hard to quantify how difficult it is to play against it until you lose to Essica's Chariot. The moment the Essica's Chariot beats you, you realize that this is a different version than what you're used to playing against. I I have played against this deck probably ten times in the last month or so, and I lost a Chariot like four times. And it doesn't feel good because you also have to worry about Grease Fang, so it kind of starts to feel like that Splinter Twin situation again. And I'm terrified to play against it, honestly. So I, I would say that it is extremely underrated. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that we both really enjoy just like Grizzly Salvage in general. And <laughs> I do love Grizzly Salvage, but I don't actually like playing with this deck very much, to be honest. Sure. It feels it feels kind of brain dead to just like salvage into Grease Fang Chariot, untap Grease Fang you. Like that, it just doesn't feel clean. Like I'm not really, I am not beating you with my brain. I don't like decks that do that. Yeah, and that is fair. I'm I'm still kind of in the mode where I want to win. So that's fair. I like yeah. winning too, but that deck actually does a surprising amount of losing to itself as well, though. That like older versions at least that were a little less consistent. All the Marty versions I hated. Like, I don't know. The Abzan the new Abzan version with Liliana changes the game though. Liliana is a huge deal, I think. Yeah, and I dude, I just like all these cards like Wayfinder, Rafine's Informant, Salvage, Witherbloom Command. Just Rafine's Informant is kind of pog, dude. Yeah, no, it's just, I didn't it's think that card or that ability was that good, but it's it's really good. Like a white looter is just so ridiculously weird and rare. Yeah. And then when you get to actually take advantage of the graveyard aspect, it's real nice. Mm -hmm. But the, the first list that I, I that pops up 
on goldfish is one that has 21 land. I don't like that. Uh, people be cheating on lands. I, I actually, so don't call me a shuffle truth or whatever, but um, I think that the shuffling algorithm treats you differently based on odd or even a uh, number of lands. What, what do you think it does? I think that even draws better. I don't know what it is. Like, I just think that like I draw better with a 20 land deck than if I added a land most of the time. I don't know what's the deal. Yeah, that's weird. Like just the, but, the, the distribution of land just always feels weird when I yeah. do odd numbers. I I can't remember any specific instance of that, but like, yeah, it's I never really paid attention to like how many lands I had versus like how my draws ended up or whatever. But Moto is weird, dude. Like you tell me anything and it's like it's non-zero that it's true. So you know how we got gaslit for five years about the ponder shuffle bug? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like we were just like, I think Ponder's not shuffling when we hit shuffle. And they're just like, ah, you're just, you're mad about variants. And then it's like, five no, years there, later, are, there like, are literal like tens of thousands of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like years later. They're just like, actually, what was happening is when you clicked yes to shuffle, it wouldn't shuffle. And we Weird. were just like, yeah, no shit. We just said that. And so now I don't believe anything, right? Like if anything goes wrong, I saw there was a, someone was posting like, pictures of quads or whatever and like how how rare it happens in like openers and and like top 10 cards of the deck or whatever and i just saw quads like five times on twitter in three days from just like the you know 100 magic players i follow five of which play legacy or whatever where this was happening yeah and i was just like what's more likely this happening or there being a major malfunction in the randomizer from a 20 something year old card game that everyone always complains about I don't, I don't know, man. I'll come Drazer or whatever. Yeah, that is specifically built on spaghetti code with, you know, things like Fate Spinner and like Verdant Eidolon going infinite, you know, just so many nonsense things have happened over the years. And then there's the thing with Ponder where they're just like, no, and it's like, well, you're you're telling me that you can't figure out how to like replicate this or whatever. So you're just going to choose to not believe us. It doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence that whenever you say that like, Oh, this thing is not bugged or this thing is working correctly or whatever that I believe you. So just the sheer amount of weird things that happen when they code stuff. Just, I don't, I don't really believe or trust anything about it. And it's honestly though, it's, it's a pretty good approximation of what magic is and no offense to arena, but like, I don't feel like arena has as much of a pull on me because it doesn't replicate actual magic as well. It's like, mobile friendly magic and that's okay like it's fine but also it's like hand holding in a lot of aspects too which i really don't like yeah but it it makes it faster so it does and it makes it cleaner and it's way better to watch on stream i know that but i just can't play pioneer on it and the economy makes me want to gouge my eyes out so yeah i mean all you have to do todd is play every single set and you know if you draft, draft hundreds of times yeah draft if you draft non-stop. hundreds of times for six months you can have a, a whole collection okay but then can i play constructed no all your cards have rotated out of the format sir yeah okay cool. but no todd that's all you have to do it's fine all right abs and grease fang anyway underrated. anyway I, I i i do want to say that i generally do not believe in like shuffle or truth or things or whatever but if you're talking about <laughs> specifically something related to magic online yeah. i'm just like yeah sure why not anyway yeah. number three mono white humans Underrated. I think it's a, an excellent deck. I think it's like maybe fourth deck, best deck in the format. 
but it might be the best aggro deck. It's it's very good. We were talking about Brave the Elements er- earlier, and I, I think that card is just so unique in its effect. And yeah, it's it's ha- the entire deck. Yeah, yeah. Like it's obviously a bunch of mopey two ones or whatever, but like a lot of those creatures have explosive or incredible defensive abilities, and that just the fact that you get access to a, a card as diverse and powerful as Brave the Elements, I think, just pushes over the top. Just give me something better than Dauntless Bodyguard, man. That's all I ask for. Dude, there's so much. It's fine. It's just, it's fine. It protects cards sometimes. And if, it, if, if it's not protecting something, then who cares? It's beating down. You're too greedy, Jerry. I'm an aggro player, man. I used to play with Jackal Pup. I used to play Savannah Lions, man. Yeah, like, I, I get it. You didn't have to play against, like, Bone Crusher Giant with those cards. You know what I mean? Like You can sack it, and the Bone Crusher Giant goes away. It's great. Sh- you don't even have to be protecting anything. You can just I sack doubt, it. I doubt they would target your Dauntless Bodyguard, Todd. I oh, my God. I target it all the time with my Bone Crusher Giant because it's attacking for three damage on turn <laughs> two, dude. I would I would probably just kill their lieutenant and then cast the Bone Crusher in trade, but whatever. Yeah, and then you'd get owned oh, by right. uh, Brutal Cathar. There you go. Just okay. eat it. Got, got me. What can this deck do to be better against Rakdos, or do you think that just scooping is a, a viable strat? I mean, scooping strong, you're like 35% or whatever. I, I don't know the actual numbers. It's not great, but like you can certainly win. Aggressive decks in this format are just extremely efficient. Um, you All your lands have extra abilities, and like a lot of your creatures just do these weird things that sometimes just win the game by themselves. You know, like if you ever get to like Adeline on the play when they didn't have a, a one or two mana removal spell, the game's over. Like if you sometimes even if they do have a one mana removal spell, like for a fatal push for your one drop, you thawly on two, they have to play Trespasser and then you just start getting Adeline triggers and stuff. And then like it's just so hard to catch up after that. But the answer is still don't do anything special. Yeah, you can't. They're, Rakdos midrange is literally built to prey on decks like us. And so you must uh, attempt your best effort. But uh, I, I mean, I have some cards in Mono Red. I've been playing a lot of Experimental Frenzy as a way to just hammer the Rakdos decks, and it's been extremely effective. You know, they bring in six Wrath of God effects. Like, what are you supposed to do as an aggro deck when they have four Extinction Event, two Hidatsugu Consumes All, and sometimes even more sweeper shit than that, on top of the incredibly efficient, you know, Fatal Push and a bunch of Dread Boars and everything, like Bone Crusher Giant. They're all decks removal, like, the only way you can win is like Gideon Allies in the car or whatever. Maybe that's the way to go. But like it costs four mana. So good luck yep. doing that. Also, yeah. it doesn't really match up that well against Shieldred. So who knows? I will say uh, the Mono White Humans deck has 22 lands. So it's probably going to have better draws on average than most decks in the format, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Even no, I'm, I feel you on that one. We just talked about it. Number five, Azorius Control. You skip Rakdos Midrange. Oh, because we were just talking about it. I blanked. Uh, yeah, number four, Rakdos Midrange. Uh, I think it's a slightly overrated deck, but it is by far in the top three decks in the format. Like, it wins a lot of weekend events. It's extremely good against aggro. Um, you know, there are some midrange decks that really prey on it. Like, I don't know if you saw Claudio won with Niv, five-color Niv recently. And I think that's almost 100% a product of it being advantaged against Rakdos mid, which is yep. probably 20% of the format in the weekend events or something. Claudio is also just a, a Niv savant. Yeah, also cracked that too. Yeah, dude, he's, he's just a savant savant. Like, he just chooses to play the... He's hatching too, but he's winning. Yeah. Well, right. if, if you were going to play... 
an RCQ or say you got to skip that step, right? Go mm. straight to the medium show, the regional championship. You get an invite to your Grand Prix or whatever. Maybe you get a sponsor's invite or something. Is there any reason for you to not play Rakdos or like what would it take to convince you to play something else? So I played Rakdos in a few leagues. I've written some articles about it and stuff. And and I, I think I'm like fairly comfortable playing the deck against everything except the mirror because everyone who plays the mirror has been playing the deck for months now and just knows how to sequence and never makes a mistake and gets full value out of every card. And I'm over here like, I don't have anything to do. Might as well cast my Bone Crusher Giant, you know? And then yeah. it, just gets, it just gets gobbled up by Liliana the Veil, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have done that. And then you start to, like, learn that way that, like, there's so much to the to the grindy matchups that you just have to play differently, and I'm just not well-versed in the mirrors. So I would probably not play it just because I don't want to play mirrors. And I, that's some, something I have a track record of in the past whenever the best deck is pretty clear or one of the best decks are pretty clear. I just kind of steer away from them because the mirror matches are just kind of heinous sometimes. Yeah, but also you're really good. So like, also, I I guess in, in this instance, it's like operating under the assumption that you would practice for the event. And those are things that I think that you could learn. Sure. And I, I typically don't like the rationale of like, oh, this thing is the best by far, but I don't want to play the mirror match. Like, I don't like that as an excuse. You know what I mean? No, I I, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I'd probably play Rakdos, but I wouldn't really be happy about it because it's just not my favorite style of deck or whatever. So, I mean, it's all hypotheticals, right? Hypothetically yeah. speaking, if I'm going to this tournament, yeah, I'd probably play Rakdos, whatever. Or, or you would tell people to play Rakdos or something. Yeah, I regularly do. So then what what would it take you to recommend something else? I always try to engage with the person and kind of get a feel for what type of decks they like. And I'll give them my recommendation based on what kind of decks I like to play. If they're aggro heads, you know, I'll, I'll show them. Like, I really like my Obosh uh, Phoenix Chick deck on, like, week one uh, Pioneer. And, like, a lot of people did really well with it. And so, like, all the aggro heads were, like, super into it. But, like, you know, I'll talk to somebody if they're like, I really like playing control decks, what do you think about this Azor's control deck? I'm just like, nah, man, I don't think that deck's, I don't think that deck's very good. And uh, I haven't really seen people do well with it recently. Like maybe if you're like really into control, like you can try, you know, the, this Esper deck that Watu is playing, uh, Waffle Topper, right? Watu. Yeah. Or, you know, you can just try, is it control? Like the young Pyromancer style decks with treasure crews are just like, Probably the type of thing you're looking for because they just play like Jeskai Black from way back then. All right, I have to apologize to you because I just realized something. What what do we do? So I don't think I've ever watched anyone stream Pioneer other than you. Okay. But I just realized that I was watching Cedric and not you. And Oh, yeah. With the thing from earlier? Yeah. Yeah, owned. Yeah, he was the one that decked himself. Yeah, because he's Rip Bozo. I mean... Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's fine. I would say it to his face, so I'll agree to it now. <laughs> so did he just like Cavalier too much and then win infinite but couldn't actually win the game and no, then deck himself so in the next turn? He, he wasn't infinite uh, from what I could tell. I You know, it's it's a thing going on in the background while I'm doing something else, right? So I'm not paying 100% attention. And I'm sure that there was a lot of stuff that happened leading up to that that probably caused it to not be a win because he he did have a lot of stuff going on. But... He 
I think like got to untap with the Karn and then got the cauldron and started, he got back like two Kioras. They was like playing those out and untapping the Nykthos and then played another Karn from hand and got back the thing. But it was like, okay, so now you have the Karn in play and you just minus and you got the cauldron back. So can, can you win yet? And it's like, nah. So I, I don't know if he like wasn't generating mana. I don't think he was losing mana. Sure. But I feel uh, like there, there, there's a point where like it just becomes infinite mana also because you get back right. Karn Kiora and then Karn gets restored to burst and Kiora generates mana. And if you're not generating mana, you're I don't think there's a break even point, but there might be. But if even the break even points still gain infinite life and like in the turn with two Karns in hand or whatever, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, so it's it's 14 to go infinite. Is that right? Something like that. I never counted. People always told me it was either 12, 13, or 14, and sometimes with Chain Veil, it's less, and I don't... I just kind of go for it on feel, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Karn Kiora is 7, Burst is 5, yeah? So that's 12, so I would imagine that that 13... Yeah, but it costs, like, 2 to activate the Nykthos to start or something, so, like, it's... They go by Devotion count, is how they always explain it. Yeah. So So if you have 14 Devotion, it costs 2 to activate, generates 14, so it's plus 12, and plus 12 is plus 1, I think, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Or break even. Yeah, because you need to have the mana left over to activate the Nykthos. So uh, he did that like once or twice and then realized that that wasn't really getting him anywhere. So he like shifted gears and he's just like, uh, storm the festival for hand or something. And then like hit a Cavalier into like another Nykthos and then like flashed it back. And then it was just like, uh, you're, you're out of cards, actually. Yeah, but like imagine that he chose a different thing and didn't deck himself like, that's not really the deck's fault. It's somewhat no, complicated. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the deck is bad. I'm just saying that like those situations are complicated. Sure. I just thought earlier you were talking about like information overload in the deck or like decision paralysis because there's too many different lines or whatever. And well, the lines that, aren't that difficult. Like that's, it's that's, just about keeping track of your shit. Keeping track of your mana is the hard part. That was kind of the situation where it was like Karn in play, Karn in hand, Storm, Nykthos for nine, maybe. And some yeah, but do you think you know? Cedric has been playing the shit out of this deck, or do you think Cedric picked this deck up as a meme for a stream he, two days ago? He said that he plays six leagues a day, so I, I don't know, man. If he's playing six leagues a day with Mono Green and that happened, that's fair. I get I get zoned out when I play a deck sometimes, too. Like I get uh, lazy, I guess, whenever I'm really far ahead doing stuff like that. And like sometimes a misclick or a small micro decision change at like a later point in the turn messes me up. And I just kind of chalk that up to like trying to do too many things at once, like stream, playing the game, like trying to talk to to chat, things like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it happens. And yeah, I don't know. There, There is a tax. You're certainly right that there is a tax on that kind of thing when you play that deck. Yeah, but so like he had this funny thing happen and then it, if I were in that situation, like I didn't know what to do either. And I started trying to like think through the lines and like different things you could carn for based on the situation. I was just like, nah, never mind. I'm just not even going to think about it. I'm off it. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole like, Hey, let's have this hypothetical situation and talk about it. Like, what would you do in this situation? I don't like doing that anymore. Yeah. So just, just miss me with conversation about magic. Well, let's keep talking about magic then. How about that? All right, that's fine. As Almost long as it's done. about deck building. Deck building is way better. Oh, dude, you're right. All right. Well, let's, Zori's let's, control. Yeah, let's talk about actual Zori's control. 
way overrated. It's horrible. It's always in the top five on on the Pioneer metagame thing because one person top eights like every weekend, like once or whatever. And it's just like the worst deck you can possibly play. I hate it. I remember that people were initially touting it as the answer to mono green. And then I have just not seen that really come to fruition. It changed. Mono green became a combo deck. It used to be centered around creatures and the, the verdicts were just like too strong against the creature dense versions. And like all you had to do was just beat a resolve Karn after you cast a wrath and after wrath, like it wasn't that hard. This was also kind of like pre Wolf Haven too. Like, the, they became way less reliant on creatures, and the fact that now they also have Storm the Festival means that after you deal with whatever they have, they just sometimes have two more threats for one card. I don't know. I used to think that it was a bad matchup from the mono green side, and then at some point the deck just got too streamlined and too powerful, and the counter spells are no longer good enough because you're just your wraths do very little. Yes, agree with all that. Uh, number six. Oh, I guess. Mm, two of these are kind of the same thing. So number six, and number ten, band spirits and mono blue spirits. I realize that they're not yeah, the they're, same thing. They're almost but, the know. same deck. We'll talk. We'll we'll consider them the same deck. A lot of people like spirits. Uh, the Coco versions are better against Rakdos. The mono blue spirits are better against Nykthos Ramp. They're kind of just like you know different builds for different polarizations in the matchups. And personally, I think band spirits is better right now because Rakdos is way more popular. Uh, but in as far as like a cool deck is concerned, Mono Blue is way cooler because Coco's brainless. <laughs> hates the Grease Fangs, hates Collected Company in two, three drops. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I've played a lot with both of Ban and Mono Blue. Ban's way more fun to play because there's like danger and posturing and bluffing and stuff. And Ban's literally just, uh, I got I got spell queller in hand. You're a go. Here's three mana. And then like, oh, they don't play anything you spell quarrel. Like, fine, I'll guess I'll play my Nebel Gas Herald. So would you say that Storm the Festival is like the, the thinking man's collected company? No, Nykthos is just a combo deck now. <laughs> it's just ramp combos. Crazy, man. Oh, I know, but you're, you know, talking shit about company and. Oh, I mean, Storm's brain dead, too. Mono, mono <laughs> Green is just extremely powerful. Like they're like if you try to compare Band to, to Mono Green, like Mono Green is like a ramp deck with a combo deck twist and band spirits is the mopiest aggro deck you've ever played, but it's got spell queller. Yep. Number seven, Jund sacrifice. All right. I don't know. This deck is always here. I never put it on my sideboard guides because I never play <laughs> against it. There's like, there's like two versions. There's like the version that plays priests of forgotten gods uh, that plays like the Bulls of Citadel or whatever sometimes. I think I played against that deck one time in the last three months. And the only sacrifice decks I ever play against are Rakdos. And Rakdos is like number 11 on the list. So I, I'd rather do that one, I think. But I think that they are both underrated. The card Mayhem Devil is outrageous. Just by far the best card in the deck. Completely dumpsters aggro decks. And just like a little three mana three three, and there's nothing you can do about it because it happens immediately. So, yeah, underrated, very good. The deck that Josh played in the first and I think only Pioneer RCQ was Rakdosak because I really liked Priest of Forgotten Gods and you know especially like that into Mayhem Devil or whatever. But this was month and a half, two months ago, something like that. It was like you know Mono Green was very big, Mono White was starting to catch on. 
So there were a lot of decks that Priest was really good against. Mm-hmm. And I think that that version was really good then. Maybe, you know, slightly less good now, I guess, as things are a little bit more diverse. But I, it's it's weird to me that the winningest sacrifice decks are the ones with like three or four Corvolds every single time. Dude, honestly, I always feel like Jund is kind of a joke until they play Corvold. Like Corvold is just this huge scare. It's like basically Gitrog monster, but when they untap with it, you die. Yeah. I mean, I don't, and I don't think Corvold is bad. It's just like expensive and clunky and yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. I didn't really it's like just, that with the rest of the deck. It's just a one card kill though, man. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I agree. It looks like it should be bad. It doesn't really do that much when it's rotting in your hand or whatever. But like every time my opponent casts it, I die. Like my all my resources are already spent. You know, it comes down, it eats like a nothing burger food token or whatever. And then they untap and I die because they just get to grow it plus eight plus eight and attack for 14 flying, you know? Yeah. Uh, is it uh, Phoenix? Probably overrated. I think people still really think that it's like one of the like people complain about treasure cruise or whatever and they still like people who don't play pioneer are like yeah is it phoenix is just one of the best decks and it just poops on everybody and it's just not true like i, I think mono white's really good against phoenix i think rakdos midrange is actively great against phoenix uh, because they just have a lot of main deck ways to answer the graveyard and phoenix decks are just really dog shit without graveyards so agree with that also i think a lot of the decks that are among these top decks are decks that Phoenix has trouble actually interacting with. Yeah, I agree. If you're playing against a bunch of things where your fiery impulses are super live and super good, and you can just like kill stuff, draw cards, sit back, then I think the deck is awesome. But none of these decks allow you to do that. Graveyard Trespasser and now Shieldred, or specifically Graveyard Trespasser, made Lightning Axe bad. Like, I, I don't really know how else to say it. Like, Lightning Axe used to be excellent in the format, and then a lot of decks just are playing Trespasser randomly, or in the Rakdos decks, like, you just play against it every time. And not only is, like, eating your creature horrific for you, like, if your Phoenix dies, that you chart a course or whatever, but, like, it's just so embarrassing to have to, like, three for one yourself to kill a three three man. Uh, it's just embarrassing. Yes, <laughs> I agree with all that. And so now because of that, like all my old sideboard guides I was, against Rakdos, I was always sideboarding out Lightning Axe. Now you just can't because Shieldred beats you by itself if you can't kill it. So Yeah, and it, it's like the only thing that deals five damage. Phoenix generally doesn't have like good ways to like balance or counter things. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are, and I'm recommending it too. Like I know uh, Peace and Cedric were talking about it uh, a week or two ago about Everyone complaining about Shieldred, myself included. Like, I, I played with and against Shield, Shieldred for, like, a full day straight. And, like, it was always the last creature that sat in play. And it felt like I was getting Sulfuric Vortex or vice versa, you know? And that, that kind of feeling of drowning is just, like, not something I like playing against in Magic. And um, and it just always happened to be, like, the last thing that came out on top because of Liliana the Veil just stripping everybody down, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, this sucks. I don't want to play against this card for the next two, three years or whatever. So might as well just play freaking modern or something. And then, you know, Cedric's just like, uh, uh, what about roast big dummy? <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, all right. What, what part about like playing against a black deck with like thoughts he's in Liliana while you sit there holding your roast, you know, like yeah. what, what part of that do you think is going to work out? 
I mean, the the first league he played, he obviously five would easily and was like, ha, ah, all these people are stupid. And I just like, all right, that's fine. And then I just started playing roast on my sideboards and it's been pretty good. I've killed children like twice or whatever, but most of the time it's just like two mana kill your four, three bone crusher attack. It's like good enough, you know? Yeah. And I'm like that. That is what formats need to do. Like they need to exactly. adapt, but Agreed. it's the, the format doesn't have an endless supply of swords to plowshares type of things. So mm. yeah, you, you had a removal spell to your deck to kill it, but like that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. One of my favorite things, honestly, against them, I, like I said earlier, I've just been playing Experimental Frenzy against them, and most of the decks that want Frenzy, Thoughtseize is not great against. And people also just kind of automatically side out Thoughtseize against red decks, even if, like, I was playing Goblins the other day, for example. Yeah, I, don't, way, I think Thoughtseize is, Thoughtseize is great against Goblins. Like, they have so many creatures that don't matter, and they have, like, one or two cards that matter. And every I played against Rakdos, you know, three times in two leagues, and no one ever thought sees me after sideboard. I, I knew my frenzy was always going to be good and always going to be around when I hit my fourth mana. And so all my game plans were just extremely built around that. And like it was excellent. And they lost to it every time except once. I tried to explain while I was playing it to chat and stuff that like if they have a board presence and you don't and you play a frenzy you will probably still lose, like if they have a Trespasser or two creatures or something. Yep. And so my plan early, I forced them into a lot of situations where they had to have removal with like random double blocks with medium creatures that didn't really matter and stuff. And like really just tax their mana early so that the turn I could cast Frenzy, their board was relatively clean. And I did that every time and it worked almost every time. So Yeah, I was going to say that's that's the problem with Frenzy, right? Is like if you, if you are under pressure it's probably not going to be good enough, but it depends on the build. Like remember the old uh, standard version with like wizards lightning and stuff. I, I think in a skewer, the critics version, it could be good enough. Just like, you know, more Chandra's and skewers and shit like that. Like it, honestly, man, you just need a engine card against that deck that doesn't die to dread bore. And if you, if you have a card like that, like, you know, there's efficient enough removal in basically every color to handle the creatures. But it's the fact that Lily just strips you down to your bare bones. You just need one card that can just burst extra resources. Right. Yeah, I agree with all that. All right, number nine, Lotus Field. I write about it every time in my cyborg guides, but I never play against it. Uh, I think it is probably underrated, but I haven't seen it do well recently. I, I, I'm looking now, a recent prelim had someone go 4-0, I don't know if that's the one deck that's making it ninth or whatever, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the deck. I think obviously it lost a lot of luster with uh, various bands and new printings of cards. Uh, specifically, God, what there was something that just completely hosed it recently, and I, I don't really remember what it is, but like all the aggro decks are just like everywhere now, and Hidden Strings decks were never really that good against aggro. They were way better against like mopey mid-range stuff, like your Sultai controls or whatever. Yep. And and they're they're not even like that good against Is it Phoenix anymore? Like Is it Phoenix just has like 12 cyber cards that come in that are all one mana counter spells, and they just kind of aggro you with Ledger Shredder and counter spells and just play like a Delver deck. So they, I, they I just have, have to do that to have a shot though. You know, right, but it's not that hard. Like they have clean like nine or twelve cards that come in for the removal spells, and then they're just Delver now. Like that's just what the deck does. Like you get, you might get a free game one, but it's like sometimes they just put two Phoenix into play on turn three or four, and you're not quite set up because you're really like a turn five combo deck. And like sometimes they just time walk you and kill you. <laughs> it just happens. 
like I think they that, also play Spell Pierce main deck too, which kind of gets your ass sometimes. Yeah, I think that Phoenix had to move in that direction to have a chance against Lotus Field, and you know, to some extent, some of the control decks too. And now that the format is very much not about those decks, I would imagine mm. that a lot of those sideboard slots are going to be devoted to you know trying to fight Rakdos or Mono Green or whatever. So I, I just don't think that they can always have like. 12 counter spells on their sideboard for Lotus Field, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, a lot of it's like Ether Gust is so versatile that it can always come in. And yep. if you play two to four of that, like, you know, two, two to four Mystical Dispute, two to four Ether Gust, like some number of random things that are good against Azorius Control are just randomly good in, in that matchup. Like, mostly it's just that the format got way faster. And without the Underworld Breach combo being like a consistent, like, turn three kill or whatever it was like extremely easily turn four kill. The deck just has been a turn five deck and this is not really a turn five format. I just think it's a little too slow. Well, we consolidated spirits. So I'm going to ask yeah. you about the enigmatic incarnation deck okay. as, as number 10, even though it's not officially number 10. What about mono red, which is officially number 12? Look, and... uh, you can talk about mono red if you want. Uh, you <laughs> okay. can talk about your little chickies or, okay, or whatever, okay. if, if you would like. That is fine. All right, so let's do your enigmatic incarnation. I played this deck twice. My best record, I think, was a 4-1, like one of the first times I played it. Uh, I went 3-2 with the new iteration that has Leyline Binding. Uh, a lot of those were my own mistakes, but the deck feels really powerful with Leyline Binding. Being able to sack that into a 7-drop like pretty early on, thanks to the dual lands and such, um, kind of gives the deck not a, really a combo feel, but like um, do you remember, it feels like Natural Order a lot. Yeah, you just have this huge cool. power spike. Yeah, but it, like you're kind of playing these cards that all kind of generate little micro advantages like you know we used to play um like coin oracle or whatever right and just like random little shitters to sacrifice to that and like this deck feels very similar to that where you play nylea's presence and shit look just to kind of cycle early and keep your opponent guessing and then all of a sudden the enigmatic comes down and you got like a little engine going and it's cool but the but the ley line binding really adds like a new level to it which i really like same uh do you think that I don't know if, if you were interested in like playing a little bit more with the deck that it would be something that you would consider playing. Like, is it close to tier one? Do you think it is decent against like mono green Rakdos, stuff like that? Or did you stop playing it because it was you thought it was like bad slash a meme versus you didn't enjoy playing it? I didn't really feel like you had the best shot in the world to beat mono green. You have to really clock them like they can overcome interaction decently uh if there's no clock you know there's so many so many of their cards just like cycle or generate an extra card when they when you play two things together and uh and you can't really play like a normal game against them i think binding into titan of industry or agent of treachery to steal or destroy something is a good way to punish them but it's still just not enough pressure like i i lost that matchup when i was playing the enigmatic deck and it did not feel very good so uh, i think that you're probably going to be slightly advantaged against rakdos but not by a lot they're very consistent they have a lot of disruption they actually have a clock yeah and honestly titan is good but they can just like push token and then lily you and it just like gets around the shield or whatever i don't know it's just tough uh the deck's cool though leyline binding is a great card I've, I've seen it do some really crazy stuff in modern already and 
It definitely is, is underexplored in this format because the mana is much more difficult to build. But it's something that I, I would be interested in exploring. I just haven't done it yet. Word. All right. Tell me about Mono Red Aggro. Uh, so day one, Mono Red, Phoenix Chick. I was like, this card's good in Mono Red. All right. We have enough one drops now where we're going to play Obosh and four Chandra. And then uh, Phoenix Chick, Chandra, Light of the Sage, and Skewer are all cracked now. And so that was the premise. The sideboard was kind of haphazardly thrown together. Some, you know, uh, Soul Guide Lanterns and some Rampaging Frostodons and some Goblin Chain Whirlers and some Rending Volleys, right? And then Obosh. And so, like, this deck just easily 5-0'd the first league I played. Just did not come close to losing a match. And every single card in the deck, including Phoenix Chick, was incredible. And, like... The fact that Phoenix Chick enables the Light of the Sages so well and the post-combat skewers when you're, like, beating control mode beatdowns or whatever, you know? Like, it just changed the the value of the spectacle cards in a way that, like, I predicted, but not nearly as strongly as it did. And then over the next, like, you know, a couple weeks, like, Rakdos just kind of exploded and... It, it's a tough matchup for sure. And when you play Obosh, you can't really play Frenzy. So I haven't re-explored it since then. Um, but I, I know for a fact that Rakdos is kind of pinning it down a little. You can play Frenzy. Like, it, you can, but Obosh is great against them. So like, I really don't want to like, you know, out of the grease or out of the pan and into the pot or whatever. What's it called? Like you're, you're just sacrificing the ability to play Obosh. So you can play this other card that you just have to draw instead of automatically having. So, I think I just need to find a three drop that's fucked up because like Chandra and Obosh are great and you just need one more card that is just like generates multiple things. that's not light up the stage. And maybe honestly, it's just something like reckless impulse or just some like silly card advantage thing that you can just bring in against matchups that are just hitting you with a million removal spells, you know, like maybe hoarding outbursts is good enough. I don't know. Like it's gotta be something like that's just generates multiple things. I, I'd be fine with Hordling Outburst. I, Reckless Impulse is two mana, though, yeah. Yeah, but it's light at the stage, so they stick around until the next turn. No, 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 I know, but I'm saying you can't play it with Obosh. Oh, duh. Yeah, something. I need a three drop. How how do you feel uh, about losing... I mean, I want to I wanna make a joke Say about it. Like the, the two carry Zevs or whatever, but Say Eidolon. It. Eidolon of the Great Rebel. yeah. It's Eidolon is a card that actively terrifies me in modern. Every single deck I've ever played in modern, it beats. It's very good. Pioneer is not afraid of Eidolon of the Great Revel. I don't know who needs to hear this. If you're a mono red player and you love Eidolon of the Great Revel and you like it in Pioneer, that's fine. You're wrong. It doesn't do anything. Uh, it deals them two damage and they kill it. Or uh, you get absolutely steamrolled by an aggro deck that ignores it. And you have played a two mana two two that uh, doesn't really block that well. And all your spells now deal you two damage when you're on the back foot against a deck that has 15 one-drop creatures, you know? I don't know, like, maybe back in the day, I played Eidolon a bunch during, like, Demir Inverter days and when everyone was playing Hidden Strings, uh, Lotus Field decks and whatnot, and it was fine, but even Lotus Field beats it sometimes while it's in play, which is embarrassing. Yeah, because they have their five mana cards and whatnot. Not only are five minute cards, but nowadays they just win with emergent ultimatum and seven drops or whatever. Like, yeah, they no, just, that's that's what I mean. It's just like pour pour into pour into 
some nonsense thing that kills you. And yeah, like there's no tw- like the twiddle deck beats it. So like, why would you bother? So and I, I really think that the uh, the Obosh skewer light of the stage Chandra and Phoenix chick with the other 12, like you have 16 S tier one drops now. And like, I think Kumano chases Kog- or faces Kakuzan is legitimately excellent. And I honestly think it's one of the reasons why the deck is even remotely successful. Like it's just so good in all aspects. Having a creature that triggers prowess is very nice. Yeah. And not even that though, just like just playing it on turn one sometimes so that you can turn two soul scar mage as a two, three against any deck with stomp or wild, not wild slash, but play with fire. Like just adding one toughness to a one, two with prowess just makes for a nightmare. The first time my opponent did it to me in a Monorad mirror match, I just wanted to give up. I was like, I can't kill their soul scar mage. How do I possibly win the game anymore? Yeah. Your, your deck's all shocks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. That's just my favorite aspect is the, the prowess triggering part because, uh, you know, you're, you're like 20 creatures or whatever. It's like, but bone crusher kind of like gets you there. And then like this other creature gets you there. It's like, Oh, nice. You know? You oh, just, it's way better than Mr. Boulder rush. You remember that guy? You you're talking about like rubble bot rubble back Maka or whatever? Yeah, right. but he's the two man three one guy. I forgot his name because he was always the worst card and I always wanted to cut him, but he was a spell when you needed him to be for one mana. Mm. Oh, Rimrock Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What else you got for me? That that's it, man. Wow. I guess if you were going to a tournament, I know okay. that you would you know, talk to the person one-on-one and give them the FaceTime and configure a deck that is correct for them. And that is the right way to go about things. But for, for just like a general audience or for you personally, what are you liking right now? Hmm. Like not, not like, not necessarily like winning the tournament, but like what, what are you enjoying playing that you also think that you can win with? I guess like what is tailored for you? I have to just like, get aggressive here man like i this atarka red deck this new one i i think it's out of control dude like not not the obosh deck i was just talking about there's like uh i don't know if you uh watch island go same this dude named sam got second in a challenge on saturday picked up the deck five owed my first league very easily deck felt kind of ridiculous made a few changes i think are very good I would play that if it's this weekend until people figure it out. I think it's got a decent Rakdos matchup because of Frenzy in the sideboard. You go really far under them with Burning Tree Emissary and just a ton of one drops. So you can kind of overload the removal early on. I think you're way fast enough to beat Nykthos Ramp. My one real hole in the game, I think, is Mono White Humans, but my sideboard plan has a ton of removal. I don't know if that's the way to go about it necessarily, but I do know that a Tarkus Command comes out in those aggro matchups. And you just get a lot more interactive. And I, I I don't really see a bad matchup on paper, you know. Right on. All right. Last thing, I guess, do you plug plug whatever you want. Talk about okay. you, the stuff you got going on, how people can give you money, watch your content, all, right. all that good stuff. Yeah. So um, these days I stream four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time, American time, North America time. I don't know. Whatever you say. I play almost exclusively Pioneer. That might change after the RCQ season and the RC are done uh, to modern or standard or something. I haven't decided yet. Um, you can check out my Patreon. Oh, sorry. Sorry. My my Twitch stream, for those interested, uh, twitch.tv slash Tandy, T 
T-A-N-D-Y. It used to be Strong Sad for those old school fans or whatever. Uh, we have rebranded. Uh, Tandy is a portmanteau of my name, Todd Anderson, and one of my favorite characters from a TV show. So, and I, then I, uh, my, I didn't know that part. I thought it was just the name thing. So when I was a kid, uh, my brother and I would always be on the same sports teams, and whenever there would be like jerseys made, they'd have to distinguish between ah. T Andersons, like T Anderson and B Anderson. And my stepdad always called us Tanderson and Banderson. And Tandy was just like something that I thought of that like reminded me of that. And also was just like a small inside joke about a show that I watched or whatever. Right on. Um, but my Patreon is the same name, patreon.com slash Tandy. Uh, that's where all my written content goes now. You can sign up for five bucks and there's tons of backlog content. Uh, I do Cyborg Guys almost every single week for a different deck. Um, I stream all the different decks of the format that I can and try to learn as many different ins and outs. And so, um, and I try to make the sideboard plans clean so that they are easy to understand. And I go over why I do them for each matchup. It's not just X and Y it's X and Y plus Y, you know what I mean? Last but not least, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I post food stuff. I make jokes, twitter.com slash Tandy MTG. That's basically all I got. I don't know. I got a YouTube channel too. It's up and coming youtube.com slash Tandy. This is good branding, man. Good branding everywhere. I think so. It's either Tandy or Tandy MTG on everything. So it, it shouldn't be that hard to find. That's where I post all my VODs. Uh, it's like edited uh, Twitch content, basically. So, Right on. Also, you're you're very good at Fall Guys. I guess I, guess, <laughs> I, guess I could have mentioned that at the beginning. But we just started yeah. talking about stuff. So No, we did. We did. And we wanted to kind of save some of it for the podcast. We were talking off pod for a while, right? Yeah. Um, so Fall Guys is fun. Um, so sometimes I'll play like two leagues, but still have like an hour left in stream and I don't want to just get off. Uh, and so I fire up different games and lately I've been playing some Escape from Tarkov, but over the last couple of months I was playing a lot of Fall Guys as my backup game. And I got really good at that game over the pandemic. Me and a couple of friends of mine and my wife, Callie, played a lot and uh, they recently made it free to play. So there was like a big resurgence in the game. And when I started streaming it, I was actually like, I didn't climb in numbers from like magic, but it's by far the highest numbers I've had on like a side game. And that's not magic. And people were like legitimately impressed with how good I was, which made me feel really good. Um, but it's really funny. You know how, like when people think you're good at magic, but you know that you're one of your best friends is way better. Than yeah. You. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends who I always play with named Lil Nuki, AKA my buddy Tim, he is insane at Fall Guys. Like he has all the skins like unlocked except for like the you need one where you have to have like a thousand crowns. I don't know if he has a thousand, but it's he is like very close. <laughs> I have like for for reference, I have like two fifty. So him ha- and I'm messed up, man. The thing I like to do most in Fall Guys, I don't want to get too much into it. Is I call myself the Murder Bean. I have created a like this a is why it's entertaining. This is why it's I, entertaining. I, I created a back lore for the game, right? So all the little guys are beans, right? And they're yes. filled with bean juice. And I'm the murder bean. And I have like a little emote that's like a little stabby knife covered in pink slime. And like, you know, I run around and just try to push people off the map. That's like one of my favorite things to do is just run around and push people off. They get, I know they throw their controller, man. I know they do. And it makes uh, me feel yeah. so good. Yeah. Maybe not every single person, but definitely occasionally. Well, I know how I get when someone pushes me off because it's very rare. So I, I, I feel like if someone got pushed off, it's probably one of the first times this happened like all day and they just scream. They're just like, what? 
Yeah, I I played a little bit and started playing with Cho over the course of the pandemic, and he is 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 really good. And then I started mm. watching you play a little bit, and I was like, oh, I think I think Todd's actually just better than Josh. And it, it's not like you know it's, it doesn't make him look bad or anything. It's like I also think that he's good, but it's just like especially now with the the team stuff, like watching you and your friends play. Like if you're not winning, your friend is probably winning. So. No, that that's a super good thing. Like I, you know, just so you know, I'm not sponsored by Fall Guys. I got very little affiliation with them other than just me playing the game on stream. Yeah, it's just fun. Um, I, I love the game. It's a great game. It has a high replayability because you're playing against other humans in the same arenas over and over again, and so you just get better and better. But also, there's always the human element. Uh, it used to be like if you don't qualify for a round, you're dead, or if you fall off, you're dead. Um, but with the team game, you kind of accumulate points over time. Uh, as a team, and if you accumulate enough points from surviving long enough or mo- multiple people in your team finishing the race versus some people not finishing, uh, you actually end up getting carried sometimes. And like in a Magic tournament when you're playing three three on threes, you know you can lose your match and still win the match. And that's kind of what they added to Fall Guys, and it made it really fun because there was always that feel bad of you lose and your friend's still alive and they keep playing. You have to wait for 10 minutes or 15 minutes while they finish. And now though, like if you qualify as a team, you just keep going. It's great. Ooh, I actually, it's, it's now making me realize that I kind of liked that aspect. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. No, no, like when, when I would lose and I would get to watch Josh play or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, sure. Sure. Cause, cause then I would get like the dopamine hit from like going on Twitter and checking my notifications or whatever, you know? And yeah. just getting like a little break from it. I kind of like that. Uh, and I'm you know, just now realizing that I enjoyed that aspect. In a, in a similar vein, um, do you remember the day or like the time period where they implemented constructed Magic Leagues on Magic Online? No. So do you do you, do you, do you I remember played, the like four dailies or whatever, right? Like we play dailies every day. Yeah. Like four, the four rounders. Yep. And th- but then at some point it was just like, here's five round leagues. Then the game was changed, right? It was mm-hmm. like, when you're done with your match, play another match, and there's no downtime. I miss the downtime. I used to watch all my TV shows during the downtime. Yeah. And now I got to just play another match of Magic? Are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. I want to watch my TV show between rounds. Yeah, dude. I, I feel yeah. you. Uh, That's where I watched the OC, man. That's where <laughs> I, I learned to love the, the beach. Did you know that I lived? I, me and Callie visited that beach, like where the OC got filmed or whatever. I did not know that. Yeah, we live like 20 minutes away from there. I went there. That was like where we went to the beach. It's like kind of sweet. Uh, I mean, I've been to the beach with y'all. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that you are like beach people or whatever. You know, I don't. I don't I'm think a you're pool guy. Be, I don't think you're going to be like, like surfer dude Todd Anderson anytime soon. But, oh, no. But uh, how, like how often did y'all like go down or, or whatever? I mean, oh, like maybe five times in two years. Not a lot. Yeah. OK. But I mean, it's cool. You have the option, right? Yeah, we did go out driving sometimes during pandemic and lockdown or whatever, and we would just go to the beach and look at the sun or whatever. It was nice. Yeah. So I, I was going to get to this point in Fall Guys uh, when you were talking about the murder bean, but uh, so I started playing with Josh. Uh, he got me into it. Not a, not a game that I would normally be like, oh, hell yeah, I want to play this or whatever. But it was like, yeah, hang out with Josh, do this thing, and then ended up really enjoying it. So then I tried to introduce other people to it, Again, like during pandemic times, uh, trying to like only time I get to see people is like through Discord or whatever. So I'm trying to figure out like reasons to hang out with people through Discord or whatever. I think that this was a really good way to do it. So I talked to one of my former roommates 
try to get him to play it. He plays everything, right? Especially like popular stuff, right? He'll just try it all. And so he's like, hadn't played it, was kind of interested. Cool. Let's get on. Let's play. And it's just maybe not like the first map, but certainly no longer than the second map. He he got griefed by someone, like got got grabbed, got shoved off a ledge. And he was just like, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. Hmm. Well, to me, that's just the human element. Like, I know you, know, I you like, learn to defend against it. You learn to do it yourself. You learn to avoid people that you think might or or you're just good enough where it just doesn't matter. Right. Like if, if but like, yeah, I, I guess I can create some feel bads or whatever. But any game where there's other humans and it's a competition and they're using the controls and they're not doing it in like a cheesy way. Like the game is literally designed for you to be able to grab the other beans. There's daily quests that say grab another bean 10 times yeah. to get your daily or whatever. So like you're supposed, you are encouraged to grab. And I have taken that to the extreme with the murder bean. Right. And I think he was still getting his footing because the controls there, I don't think they're weird, but like controlling, they're bad bean, for, they're extremely bad on keyboard and mouse, but extremely good with any plug-in controller. Yeah, I, I was playing with the controller. I think he was too, but it's still just like the way your dude moves and like how you like can bounce off stuff. You know, <laughs> it, it takes a, a little bit to get used to. This was oh, like sure. a, a million games ago for you. Pur- purpose, purposefully bad physics for sure. Right. But like just to make the game more difficult or whatever. Yeah. And I, I like it. I think that it's good. You just have to get used to it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, he was going through that and then he he got murdered and I was like, oh, no, that's that's just like another aspect of the game. Right. Like is how you interact with the other people and try and stop mm-hmm. them or whatever. And he, he was just having none of it. He just quit. So uh, I wonder if you've done that to anyone. Oh, yeah, I, I I used to have a murder counter on stream. I think one day I got like 23 or something. Uh, yeah, keep, there, there has to be at least one that. person to quit. Keep track of that instead of the crowns, man. Who cares about the crowns? Dude, I had two counters. One was crown counter, one was murder <laughs> counter. Guess which one I was more proud of. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Uh, all right, man. Uh, that's it. We we end the podcast by saying the word game as an homage to what our podcast used to be called. All right. I can so, do it. Yeah. Do we get so, to do a count of three? No. Well, y- you just get to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate. This is all you. However you want to do it. Mm. And that's game. Good luck.